0: morning, Manly, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonna. As, as always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Now on to the podcast. And in some sad news, uh, we'll start with the sad loss of Manly and Rugby League immortal Bob Fulton, who died Sunday morning after losing his battle against cancer, age 74. Bozo won five premierships with the Manly Seagulls, three as a player um, and two as a coach. Um, some sad news, John, for uh, rugby league and and the Manly community um, in terms of the NRL family. There,
1: yeah, definitely some sad news for the rugby community and, as you said, for Manly in general. Um, but it was really good to see Manly kind of honouring him in a way and coming up with a big win um, as well in
0: their in their um, in their match. Our yeah, thoughts go out to both Bob Fulton's family um, and his close friends. Now, on to what happened on the field and in the NRL. Um, again, some significant results. Um, Over the weekend of football. The Cowboys defeated the Knights 36 points to 20. The Warriors down the West Tigers 30 to 26. The Sharks defeated the Dragons 13 points to 12. The Titans defeated the Bulldogs 30 points to 12. While well, the Broncos upset the Brewsters 34-16, the Broncos inspired by the return of Albert Kelly and the halves, who hadn't played an NRL game in 2000, 2,500 days, which was quite a remarkable comeback. The Storm down Canberra 34 points to 10. The Panthers, they just look irresistible at the moment. They smashed the Rabbitohs 56 points to 12. While the Seagulls, as Jonathan mentioned, defeated Parramatta 28-6 on Sunday afternoon football. Um, I guess inspired by the passing of manly legend Bob Fulton, um, young half Josh Schuster was impressive for the Seagulls um, on debut in the halves. Pendles stay top, undefeated and remarkably after 11 rounds. The Storm have now moved into second, while Parramatta stay third. The Seagulls move up to six and are looking dangerous, John Um just outside that top four at the moment. Yeah, definitely a lot of uh, shake up in terms of the results this weekend. It was great to see.
1: Um, and we'll see if the Broncos can come out in shock again against the Storm in the upcoming week. That'd be great to see a double shock there for the Broncos, and hopefully they can kind of start turning some things around as well. Um, I know they're you know kind of performing down at the bottom, but um, let's see if um, some new arrivals, some fresh faces, can
0: kind of bring in a little uh, sense of urgency there for them. They certainly received a confidence boosting win this weekend in the AFL. Brisbane defeated Richmond one hundred and two to seventy four. Carlton downed Hawthorne eighty six points to sixty three. Geelong continued their impressive form with a 91-57 win over Gold Coast. Adelaide upset the previously undefeated Melbourne 96-95. Western Bulldogs smashed and killed 144-33. Fremantle downed the Sydney Swans 86-84 in a classic with Lance Franklin's six goals, not quite enough to guide the Swans to victory. GWS defeated West Coast 93-77. Collingwood lost a close one against Port Adelaide, 59 points to 58 while Essendon defeated North Melbourne 141-69. to Western Bulldogs are now top on percentage, followed by Melbourne and Geelong, while Sydney remain sixth. The Giants also moving um, into eighth spot in the AFL. Premier League over the weekend, it was the penultimate round, so round 38. Probably the biggest story to come out of the final round was that battle for the top four, and, it took some, uh, took some turns there, didn't it, definitely, John, on that last day? Did. Chelsea lost to Aston Villa 2-1, but ended up finishing fourth due to Leicester City not able to do the job at home, losing 4-2 to Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Gareth Bale scoring a couple goals for Tottenham. Liverpool ended up finishing third after f- defeating Crystal Palace 2-0 in what was Liverpool's Giorgio Wijnaldum's last game for the club. So uh, it was a close battle for that top four, John, but do you think um, in the end probably the, the top four that... That deserved to be there in the end.
1: Yeah, I guess you know the top four kind of shaked up how you know you can kind of see it. But unfortunate for Leicester that they had a really really great season. It just seems like they're going to be looking at that FA Cup as the big win year, win for the year. Um, via some crazy results there at the end. It really it really came down to the last minute, and somehow Gareth Bale stepped up for Tottenham and um, kind of uh, made Leicester's dreams come crashing down. So good to see Liverpool sneak in there. Um, hopefully, they'll bounce back next year and uh, not have as many injuries
0: in the Champions League, so we'll see. The weekend also sitting with Sergio Aguero's last home in game for Manchester City, where he, he did score twice um, in their route over Everton. In doing so, he broke Wayne Rooney's Premier League record of goals for a single club, with Aguero ending on 184 goals. So, um, amazing end for Sergio Aguero at Manchester City. Manchester United became the first team since Arsenal Invincibles to finish the season undefeated away from home. So uh, a good record to take Mm. away from the season for Manchester United. Harry Kane, he won the Golden Boot as well as getting the top assist for the year. So a great year for Harry Kane considering Tottenham's struggles. Leicester City and West Ham finished 5th and 6th. They both grabbed the automatic Europa League spots while Arsenal will not be playing in Europe for the first time in 25 years. So... uh, A big rebuilding job underway there with Nico Arteta.
1: Definitely just been a disappointing season from the start for Arsenal. Um, I think they have to really take a look at things and and just really examine how can they become one of those top clubs again, because right now they're just subpar, average. Maybe they're not going down the relegation battle, you know, all all so often, but they're still not nearly competing in those
0: even top six there. So they really need to start shaping things up. Certainly a lot of work to be done at Arsenal. In the championship final in England, it will be played between Brentford and Swansea. This is to decide the last uh, team to be promoted to the Premier League. Um, many people call it the richest game in football. Um, so that will take place this weekend between Brentford and Swansea. In La Liga, special mention of Atletico Madrid and the Luis Suarez mm. for winning the first title in seven years in Spain. They held on, um, winning 2-1 on the final day. Uh, to win La Liga in Ligue 1 in France, Lille won their first French league for the first time since 2011 as they won their final game against Ongar 2-1. So they held off the big spending PSG. So great to see Lille um, winning the French league in France. Syria, there was drama on the last day in Syria as well. And as you'd know, Jonny, your Juventus have snuck into fourth after Napoli could only draw against Hellas Verona. AC Milan defeated Atalanta to finish second. So Juventus and Possibly Cristiano Ronaldo will be um, in the Champions League next year in the Serie A. Scottish Cup final. St Johnson completed a remarkable cup double after defeating Hibernian 1 0. So, a great year for St Johnson um, in Scotland. And in the Bundesliga, a special mention to Bayern Munich striker Robin Lewandowski, who broke Gerd Muller's goal scoring record in a single season in the Bundesliga as he grabbed his 41st goal of the year. Quite an amazing. Uh, feat by Robert Lewandowski and he certainly is one of the uh if not the best striker in the world at the moment Jono
1: yeah he's definitely he's definitely just outperforming himself every single weekend and week out and um it's great to see him breaking records because I mean he came off an incredible season and he's just having another incredible season this year as well so I know the Bayern Munich didn't go as far as they would have liked in the Champions League but um what he did in the league as well this year was just incredible breaking that record so he's had a great season and he is probably the top in an out and out striker
0: this year in the A-League, Melbourne City uh, claimed the Premiership uh, by defeating Central Coast 1-0. Wellington played their first home game back in New Zealand in 433 days. And they uh, defeated Western United 3-0 to keep their finals hopes alive. And Sydney FC defeated Western Sydney in the Sydney Derby 1-0 um, on Sunday afternoon. All that means City obviously top Followed by Sydney, while the battle for the final spots continues to be close. With Brisbane holding six at the moment, followed by Perth Glory, who are further two points back. So uh, that battle for six is is intriguing in the A League. NBA playoffs are underway, Jono, and, and we will go into we'll touch on it a, bit, a little bit later in the pod. But um, some big results to come out of the NBA playoffs round one. Um, and obviously that first time the playing tournament uh was I guess came underway. So we will discuss that later on in the show. The Rugby Union Trans-Tasman, um, the Australian teams again getting outclassed by their New Zealand franchises. Hurricanes defeated the Rebels 35-13. Western Force lost to the Highlanders 25 points to 15. The Blues defeated the New South Wales Roratars 48-21. The Chiefs defeated the Brumbies 40 points to 19, while the Crusaders absolutely hammered the Queensland Reds 63-21. to So showing the class difference um, of those New Zealand teams in golf. Remarkable story, Phil Mickelson became the oldest man to win one of the majors as he won the PGA Championship by two shots. Phil Mickelson is 50 years of age, um, so a great achievement by Phil um, to win the PGA Championship over the weekend. And in the F1, Red Bull driver Max Verstappen won the prestigious Monaco Grand Prix while Carlos Sanz finished second and Lando Norris finished third. So congratulations to Max Verstappen for winning the Monaco Grand Prix. As we said before, Jono, the NBA playoffs... Are underway now. Um, what did you firstly make of the playing tournament, and did you think this added um, some intrigue and excitement to the NBA playoffs um, to start with? Yeah, I first off absolutely loved the playing games. I thought that they were
1: a great addition, and I would love for them to to stay. Um, I think what it did is it just added this element of an extra. You know, in the NBA, you don't have these games where single knockout, single elimination games, It just added an extra element. That every basket counted that much more. Every you know, every single time you went up the court, you had to make sure you either made a defensive stop or you scored that basket. Um, so it was great to see. I think the games as well. I mean, we we had some great great games. I mean, the Golden State Lakers game. Golden was a State great Lakers game. game was a great game. had had a bit of you know a little bit of um, controversy as well in a sense. Then you even have. You know, you have even Memphis as well. You have all these great games that that were played out. Um, You know, the Washington Wizards really stepping up there as well um, in that 2nd playing game as well. And the great thing is, you know, you gave some of these teams as well like a second chance essentially. And it was either they're going to step up or they're not going to. And you saw, you know, you then see a powerhouse like Golden State go out. Um, just because on that day they got outperformed. Maybe they, overall, Golden State was probably a better team, but they got outperformed, out hustled, and that's what it is. Now, this this Grizzlies team has that momentum going into the playoffs as well. So it also gives some of these lower teams a bit of momentum going into the playoffs instead of just continuously losing when they start the playoff series. So I've absolutely loved it, um, and I think we should definitely keep the play in series. That's
0: Do you think it should stay now? Do you think the NBA will definitely look at this as something that they will keep Um for upcoming nba playoff series yeah i definitely would hope that they would
1: um and as we've touched before it actually adds a little bit more emphasis towards the end of the season as well um you know you want to finish in that top six and you want to make sure that you know you're avoiding that um seven eight nine ten or however it is and then even those lower levels you know that 10 11 12 they're fighting for that last little spot in there so it adds a lot of um, emphasis towards the end of the season push And like I said it gives those players And those teams a little bit more form Going into those 7 game series And just something different for the NBA as well I think it's a good shake up it, you know, It's drawing people in in a different way So I thought it was great all around I'd love to see it to stay
0: In regards to I guess round 1 of the playoffs um, What have some, been some of your biggest takeaways Obviously we saw the Clippers upset by the Mavs um, in LA um, Your Phoenix got up over the Lakers Of course Um what, who have you been impressed by, and, and sort of who else are you sort of a little bit concerned by in terms of um, as these series uh,
1: go on? Yeah, look, and again, this is very different from the playing games because now this is a seven-game series, so you know you can drop a game, and that's that's essentially fine um, for the most part. Uh, but you of course don't want to lose game because that's your momentum going forward. So you know there's huge performance, of course, by some of the player individual players. You know you have um, Luca, you had. Uh, John Morant, you had um, Trey Young, you had you know all those individual players. Devin Booker as well in Phoenix, um, Joel Embiid for for um, for Philly. All of them really stepping up, I think. But in terms of the actual team that I think actually stepped up quite a bit was actually Atlanta. Um, I actually really thought that the Knicks were in really really good. Especially form. playing
0: the Knicks at Madison Square Garden, yeah, first yeah. time in a while that they've been in the playoffs.
1: Oh, exactly. And, And the Knicks were in really, really good form going into this playoffs. And it was actually quite shocking that even Atlanta was so close in the game, and then also they ended up winning that game in late. Look, it was a close game. Could have gone either way. But the fact is, is that... You know, the, the Knicks were going into this with all the momentum. not saying Atlanta didn't have that momentum, but they should have essentially won this first game. And it's really important, I think, for them, for their morale, to win that first game. So now this series, in my eyes, is the most open out of the 1-0 series right now. It's essentially Atlanta taking a lead. Um, and then, of course, big shout out to the Phoenix Suns, getting a big, big win over the Lakers there. Um, but we'll see. Uh, some players got banged up in that game, so we'll see how kind of that series plays out as well.
0: Do you see any upsets occurring um, in any of these series, or do you see most of the of the big boys getting through, Jono?
1: Look, I don't know if you call it necessarily like an upset-upset, but I would actually say that I do think that Dallas potentially could sneak through the Clippers. it um,
0: be a huge disappointment for that Clippers franchise.
1: definitely be a disappointment. I don't think anybody would put it past some of those Mavericks players to get them past the Clippers. Um, but I would say that that would be one that I'd be looking out with. And then again, like I said, Atlanta possibly can upset the Knicks. Um you know, Brooklyn, I think is gonna is gonna quite is gonna have that wrapped up quite easy. You kind of saw they were down in that game for most of the game, and then all of a sudden they just decided to turn it on, and it was ability the to explode. Yeah, it's they're they're on a bit of a, another level with that. Um, and then that Portland Denver game, I think, could definitely be really interesting. I mean, you know, Portland has that series lead, um, but you can't count out the Joker. He's up for MVP this season for a reason, uh, but it could definitely be interesting. But again, some of those series. You could just tip it any any way. You know, I wouldn't necessarily call it an out and out upset. I would call it more of a disappointment for the other team. Um, but yeah, there's some of those matches. But I'd definitely be looking out for that Dallas Clippers. Um, I think that's going to be the one to look at. That Dallas could definitely sneak through the Clippers. Um, And it'll be, as you said, really, really disappointing for the Clippers organization to go back-to-back years not making a finals appearance with with the team that they have.
0: I think some of these series have definitely got the potential to be going to Game 7 and Game 7 and really going down to the wire. But we'll keep an eye on that. It's always great when NBA playoffs come around. So um, definitely some intriguing matchups. and. Hopefully, some really great individual and team performances to come um, over the next few weeks. As we touched on, it was the last weekend of the Premier League. Another season has come to the end. John, I guess his season was a little bit different. There was the um, the lack of crowds and um, I guess fan involvement within the stadium. What did you make of the season overall, considering um, the lack of crowds and and whatnot? How did you think the season went, and how did you um, how do you assess this year's Premier League um, season?
1: Yeah, look, I think from from like an outside perspective looking at it, you know, I'm not saying that I out and out support one team in particular in the Premier League. Um, I think it was a great season because what it had was, you know, you had Liverpool coming into this season still looking, you know, like they're going to be the team to beat, and then injuries plague them, they go down. You had Man City have a really really bad start. You had Tottenham had a great start. And then, you know, you had these other teams kind of up there as well that all were having these great starts. And then you kind of get to that halfway point. You're looking at City is is sitting in that middle part of the top middle part of the table, and then Liverpool's you know injury-plagued. You have Man U performing quite well, but still inconsistent in certain games. Um, so you kind of had a little bit of everything. And then, you know, you had the kind of demise of Tottenham kind of then slowly go down. You had Man City then just going in a remarkable run. And you had Liverpool... Inconsistent but still somehow found a way to just get wins towards that end as Liverpool well. Liverpool
0: season was almost broken up into three phases. They started yeah. that I guess before Christmas up to December they were they were looking like mm-hmm. real champions and obviously had that middle stretch where they, they couldn't win a game at yeah. home and then yeah. obviously have ended Quite really well. strongly yeah. to, to finish in the top four. Um the other thing I took away from the season was how without the crowds, how the home advantage yeah. almost got lost for a United fan, for example, we lost six games or we dropped so many points at home, stayed undefeated away yeah. from home, but actually lost all our points at home, which um, which I think added an intriguing uh, aspect to the season wherein usually that home advantage is such a big, big thing for teams, especially for the teams battling, I think, at the bottom as well, yeah. at the bottom yeah. half of that Premier League. That extra little oomph as well. And I even think
1: as well, you saw that quite a bit for Liverpool, how much they actually relied throughout the season when they won the Premier League, how much they relied on their fans to just, Keep on, you know. Keep on giving them that extra push, or even that pump up pregame, or as as you get on that field, you get that sense of that those chills when you're at Anfield. So it's it was really important for that, and, and you kind of saw that with Liverpool. I feel like a little bit as well, and and people were winning there when they would go there. You know, it's it's not like it was this protected dome anymore, almost. Um, so, yeah, I think that the, the lack of fans it was definitely a big part in the season and how, how we saw those kind of season-going waves was possibly because of not having fans there as well, you know, and players needing to really adapt to that. They had a little bit of a taste of it, but this was a full season like that. So it was it was, it was was very, very different. But, um, yeah, it was a great season and very, um, very great for viewership, you know, to see some ups and downs and, and different things happen.
0: I also think a huge congr- congratulations should go out to the players and officials and staff of these clubs, I know they're paid a huge amount to play and, and do something they love, but to be playing within these circumstances in front of empty stadiums when these guys are used to playing in 50, 60, 70,000 people um, and to continue and, and keep that high level that we all love, I think um, a huge congratulations goes out to those guys as well. On an individual level, obviously one of the biggest um, stories that bumbled through the year was obviously Sergio Aguero leaving Manchester City. How do you assess his impact on, on both City but also on the Premier League? We obviously touched on that goal-scoring record before where he overtook Wayne Rooney. Um, he's been quite a significant figure in yep. the Premier League, Jono.
1: Yeah, he's been one of those faces. You know, you you, you look at certain leagues and, and um, clubs as well, and they, they have that particular image. You know, you looked at someone like, as you said, somebody who he passed in terms of his goal-scoring record in Wayne Rooney was a face not only of Manchester United but of the Premier League during his time. Um and that's essentially what Aguero is. Everybody remembers, you know, the the famous moments of the announcer screaming his name over over, um, you know, while you are watching. That him modern Tyler, yeah. unbelievable. While he's scoring that goal. You know, you, re- you remember those moments, um, and so for him, it's it's he's been a comp like he did what he set out to do at, at Man City, and he accomplished everything pretty much. And now they have a chance to kind of seal the deal here potentially um, with that Champions League final. And you know what? Everybody has their time as well. You know, I you know he's he's kind of said, I've done everything here and I'd like for another bit of a challenge. He's getting a little bit older as well. He's getting a bit more banged up as we saw, you know, he had had injuries and and
0: COVID obviously affected him this year as well.
1: Definitely. And so, you know, for me, he is, he has been like our modern day of Mr. Premier League in the face because he's been the consistent person that nobody wants to face him. You know, you you know about him um, and teams prepared to play against him. So, um yeah he's been remarkable in what he's been able to achieve not only for City but for the Premier League as a whole.
0: Absolutely he's been a really um uh, he's been a great asset for the Premier League and he will be uh he will be missed um once he goes. In regards to looking a little bit to next year, Jono, who do you think will challenge City? Who do you think is um in the best position to, to give City a challenge next year? Yeah, I mean, like, let's see if uh, if Man United can kind of step up and and, and figure out a couple of, of big signings, yeah. possibly. I still think Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, I think if, they once they get healthy. their defense
1: back. Yep. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting as well. Um, I think I think Chelsea potentially could. Um, definitely if they get if they if they get a consistent kind of style of play, they players score goals and score goals. They create the opportunities, but they just need to put it in the back of the net. They have great creative players who actually. Really good attacking, but then it's in front of goal. They just need to put him in. And so we'll see if they can actually get that firing in all cylinders. I think they could be a force to be reckoned with because they have such a young, dynamic squad. Um, they'll be really hard to compete with them. So I think the top four that it currently is will be potentially all battling for that top spot next year. And
0: Thomas Tuchel will have an offseason with his Chelsea team. Yeah. So he'll obviously mold it into the, the team that he's after. Talking about goals, the biggest transfer saga to probably come out of the Premier League and probably we'll hear it all summer. Where will Harry Kane be next yeah, year?
1: Yeah, it will be. Um, that's going to be really interesting to see because, you know, there's there's chatter kind of with those teams that we kind of mentioned there, actually. Um, a Chelsea, Man United, um, Man City. What Where is he actually going to go? Um, you know, I, I, I have no idea. This is going to come down to, I think, I, he clearly wants to stay in the Premier League. So it's going to be coming down to what team does he think he's going to be able to win a championship? I think Champions he wants League to go to away. City. If yeah. City
0: come up with the money, I think he'll end up being a City player. But the other team I think that could be an outsider is Chelsea are the ones sniffing around. If mm. they offer enough, I know Daniel Levy's a, a hard marksman when it comes to transfers, but if there's enough money offered, then I can see Harry Kane leaving. But I think it's it. going to be a transfer saga for the summer.
1: I mean, look, he'd be a great replacement for the goal-scoring power of Aguero, but he'd also be a great addition to that Chelsea squad that we said need that little added boost right in front of goal. Not necessarily always create... And he's a creative player. He can create for other players. But right in front of goal, you know he's probably going to score. He'll be an asset for
0: any team. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. But um, we look forward to, obviously, the Premier League season. It'll be here before we know it. So uh, um, it was a great season yet again um, this year. Talking about... End of the season and finals. We do have two huge finals coming up this week, Jono. We've got the Europa League final Thursday morning, Australian time. And then the big one, the Champions League final Sunday morning, um, early Sunday morning, Australian time. Firstly, looking at the Europa League, we've got Manchester United versus Villarreal. Um, firstly, from a United perspective, how significant is, do you think this final is for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his team to finally win a trophy, they've obviously been we've been progressing, and, and there's been progress shown in terms of the league positions and whatnot. But to actually win silverware is what United is about. Yeah, I think you're right.
1: It, it just comes down to you need to just finish it off, and you, and you need to you need to win the trophy. You really need it. You need. I think you are the team that needs this more um, in terms of just winning that silverware. And I think it just it, look it's 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 the Europa League. It's not necessarily the Champions League, so it doesn't it doesn't have that same kind of um, stature, but you still need to make sure that if you're in the Europa league and you're one of those, or essentially the biggest club in the Europa league and in, in a sense of um, worldwide um, audience, you need to be able to win it as well. So it just needs to show that they're Manchester United, they win when the finals come, and they're going to put a stamp on it. I think it is important as well going into the next season, as we said, if they want to be a contender, they need to have that momentum going under their belt, and they need to show that they have players that can win under any circumstance.
0: And it won't be easy. You've got, obviously, Una Emery mm. coaching uh, Villarreal, the former Arsenal boss. yep, um, And he'll have his team up for this, because Villarreal oh, will go in as the underdogs. Um, but they won't be scared. And they showed in the semi-final that they are... Uh, They've got enough players to hurt you if you give them time.
1: Yeah, and stylistically as well, that's going to be the big thing. Um, how are they going to match up stylistically? You know, is is Villarreal going to going to um, expose some of Manchester United's weaknesses, or vice versa? So it'll be really interesting because um, you know it's not like we just have two English teams playing against each other. We have you know different. Um, from different countries where these teams are playing. So um, they play a different style in general. So it'll be really, really interesting. But I do see Manchester United should be winning this game. But anything can happen because they're going to come fighting um,
0: from the start. Absolutely. Talking about weaknesses, it's looking more and more likely that uh, Manchester United captain Harry Maguire will miss the game um, through injury. How significant of a blow do you think this is to United, John? I know we have been critical of, of Harry Maguire on this pod, but... He has probably been United's most consistent centre-back this year, and he does, um, obviously, being the captain, he gives that leadership at the back. Do you think it's a significant blow for United um, at the back? Well, we have leaked some goals.
1: Yeah, you, you definitely have, and and I think it's more of, um, as you touched on, I think it's, I would say it's more the leadership, not necessarily his play, because, as we've said before, sometimes his play can be very inconsistent, um, but he has been consistent in terms of just he's been a... A presence in a sense in that back line, um, but it's definitely going to come down to that leadership because sometimes when you know when you take out that person who's been leading the pack that whole time, that's when people can get a bit frantic and that calmness and that composure on the field. So it'll be really interesting how the adjustments are made for that. Because
0: that's where I think the biggest hole is, is in the leadership—not necessarily
1: the play, but it's going to be the leadership on the field,
0: especially when those tough times within a game, which always do happen regardless yep. of what team you are, um, getting through those tough times. But it's going to be an intriguing final on Thursday morning. Who wins, Jonna? Yeah, score. it's going
1: to—it's going to be Manchester United three-two. It's going to have a couple
0: goals there. It's going to—it's going to be uh, quite exciting. I'm going to go United three-one. Bruno go. Fernandez penalty guaranteed. Def- definitely guaranteed a penalty. penalty yeah. All right, we look forward to that Thursday morning. And then the big one, I guess the penultimate game of the European season, the Champions League final, all English, Manchester City versus Chelsea. Um, Obviously, City going in as favourites here, Jono. Chelsea have beaten City on the last two occasions they have versed them. Um, But do you think that plays into any, or do you think that plays into anything for this final? Do you think, obviously, you sort of disregard those results? Yeah, I mean, you
1: kind of disregard those results because you also just look at, like, current form um, Chelsea's been stumbling a little bit as well um, they really need to find their feet like as we said and just they just miss too many opportunities where you have City just is showing that they can fire in all forces City plays with different players all the time and they're able to figure it out every single week it seems like and um, different formations and you know half the year they played without even a striker and they're still able to do things an out and out striker so um, I, I think you can kind of scrap all those results and this is just going to be a battle essentially this is going to be who can tactically go in and do it correctly, and, and form their team correctly, and who's actually going to be firing in front of goal, because it's going to come down to one missed opportunity can be the Champions League title this game.
0: In regards to formations, you mentioned it there, City haven't been playing it with a recognised strike, and they, I assume that's what they will go into for this final. Um, in regards to Chelsea's lineup, obviously if Timo Werner's been out of form all year, do you go with someone like a Kai Havertz, up front, who adds a little bit of heights. Obviously, a slightly different player team of Werner. Where do you do you think Tuka will tinker at all with that front line, which is probably the area that is most unsure at the moment?
1: Yeah, see, it's a hard thing with Chelsea because Timo Werner, as much as he hasn't been firing in front of goal, he actually creates quite a bit of chances, and a lot of defenders will go with him because they still know he can score. He certainly makes good runs. Yeah, he makes good runs, and he opens up the game a little bit. Um, Kai Havertz is a little bit more calm, composed on the ball, and he's going to be more of moving that ball in and out. So if you have Kai Havertz in, you then you've got to make sure that you're surrounding him by other players who can just out and out, want to take people on, like a ballistic or somebody like that who's going to take players on. So I think it's him, it's Tuchel also recognizing who is going to be his supporting cast out and around those positions, and then from there he can determine who he's going to start there. But it, it is, look, Tuchel's job is hard. He has great players, and he has a really good uh, deep um, deep squad with players that are are very different as well. So um, I think he just needs to really take a hard look at who's been performing as of late as well, and take that in consideration. Because like I said, their form has dropped in these last couple games, and it might be playing on some of these players' minds. So it'll be really interesting to see who he actually puts out.
0: It'll be interesting to see if your boy Pulisic gets a start because he has been impressive for for Chelsea yep. uh, when he has come on, but or whether or not Tuchel uses a bit of an impact yep. sub depending on how the game goes obviously this is the holy grail for City yeah. this is what they got Guardiola in for yes for Premier League yes for FA Cups yes for those English domestic titles but the Champions League is what he was brought in for that's what they've spent the money for did think this piles more pressure on City how do you think they will go in terms of uh, the mentality they're going with I actually think that the
1: players are probably going to go in with with a normal mentality I think that the, the players know that this is a final yes but I think they're going to go with a little bit more calm and composed demeanour than Pep I think that He knows that this is the precious situation. This is what he got brought in to do. He hasn't been able to reach this far since he's been at City. And I think he's learned a lot this year in terms of not going into these big games and trying to change a million things. So hopefully we can see that happen again. But if he goes in and starts changing things, then that's where things can kind of go off him but I do think that he potentially does feel the pressure as much as he might say that he doesn't I think he's going to feel the pressure because this is what he was brought in to do and he hasn't been able to do this and now finally he's there and let's see what he can actually do on the big stage but it'll be really interesting but I actually think that the players are going to come with quite a calmness because each final that they play they play with such a calm composed demeanor and the players that they have as well internationally they're all great players internationally as well so they have that experience both domestically and internationally um, but it'd be really, really interesting because I know, we all know that Pep knows that this is exactly what he got brought in to do and he hasn't been able to get this far. So let's see what he actually produces to do. Whereas on the other end, Tuchel, he got brought in to save a season essentially. And he's outperformed in my eyes, what he was brought in to do. And now he's reached the Champions league final and he's going in as the underdog. So he has nothing to lose everything to gain. Whereas Pep has everything to lose. I feel like at this point
0: who wins and what is the score? I oh, see. You know,
1: realistically, I gotta see Man City, I think will win. But I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, something else. We we'll go with Chelsea winning. I think it's gonna be three-one Chelsea.
0: Ooh, that be huge. Unfortunately, I'm gonna have to go for City. As much as it kills me, I think City win this two-one. I think it'll be tight though. I don't think. Um, I don't think it'll be a blowout. This score, but hopefully it's a it's a great game. Um, for the neutrals as well in the Champions League final. Definitely. As always, guys, we end with five questions. This week, though, um, we'll both be answering the questions. Premier League-based. So a little bit of a a wrap of the year in terms of some of the individual performers and, and team performers that we think have been impressive this year. So ready to go, Jono? Let's do it. All right, we'll start with Jono. Manager of the year, Jono. So for me... You know, I know it's been a long season
1: and a lot of managers have been performing great and, and teams have been performing great. But I'm looking at who saved a season, essentially. And I'm going to actually go to Tuchel because I think he's completely outperformed what he got brought in to do. Um, bringing them to all these finals, I think, was something that nobody from Chelsea thought that he was going to be able to necessarily do, at least this season. Um, so I think he outperformed What he was brought into He was there to save a season Make sure that they were in Champions League Not necessarily going into a Champions League final As well as FA Cup finals as well So I'm probably going to give it I would give it to him at this point in time
0: Good answer, good answer I'm probably going to go with an obvious one Obviously Pep Guardiola um, was immense with City this year but I also have special mention to David Moyes, who do I think did an amazing job yeah. with West Ham. True. Brendan Rodgers, even though the disappointment of missing out on the on the Champions League, to win an FA Cup and finish fifth with that Leicester team, and the injury list they've had this year, I think he's done a really good job over there. And also Marcelo Bielsa with Leeds to finish ninth this yeah. year in their first uh, year back in the Premier League. I think it's an amazing effort. So um, special mention to those three managers. Player of the season, Jono.
1: For me, I, I think that's quite easy. It's for me, it's going to be Harry Kane. I know that there's that Tottenham itself had its ups and downs, but when you look at the individual player and what he was able to do, both goal scoring and assist wise, remarkable. Um, you know, he's he's essentially in my eyes become like that Benzema like player who not only can score but dishes out quite a bit of assists as well. And he's that target player. And he is he he, he is Tottenham essentially. Well, he is he was Tottenham. I mean, we we don't know where don't he's know. going to be going. But for me, I think he is essentially just outperformed in, in, all, in all facets for what he is supposed
0: to do up top. I don't think you'll get too many people that argue with that. I'm actually going to go from a player from the other end of the field. I'm going to go Ruben Diaz for Manchester City. What he's yep. done for, their, for them defensively, all of a sudden turning them into one of the best defensive teams Definitely. in England and Europe. Um, and at such a young age, he's only 23, and the leadership he's shown, I think, is immense. So Ruben Diaz, for me, is the player of the season. Signing of the year. Yeah, I kind of went with a mid kind of a
1: savior signing uh, person for manager of the year. And I'm actually going to do that for the signing of the year as well. Go with Jesse Lingard, because what his form going into West Ham was non-existent. You know, he wasn't able to get in Um, when he played. There was lack of confidence and everything. And then when he got to West Ham, he just elevated and it's he's been incredible and really just lifted them as well to get them that last little push as well, an incredible season already what it was for West Ham, but just elevate them a little bit more and got them into that Europa League there. So uh, for me, I think Jesse Lingard was just really impactful for the short time that he's at West Ham, but he's very, very
0: impactful for them. I'm going to go another West Ham signing, Thomas Suszek. So they signed the uh, Czech midfielder yeah, yeah. earlier in the year, and I think his um, impact... Um, both scoring goals and also just that defensive uh, impact he's helped with uh, West Ham. I think he's been a great signing um, for West Ham. Flop of the year, Jono. I know we don't like talking about this, but who who do you think has been the flop of the year in regards to, I guess, the reputation they did come into the season with?
1: Yeah, I would would have to go with... I'm going to give it to two Arsenal players, actually, Aubameyang and William. I think both of them have just... I mean, everything about Arsenal was just essentially a flop this year. You know, you had really high expectations actually for William coming in. You know, he kind of said that they came, that he was coming in to win a Champions League and to win the league basically, and none of that happened. Um, a bombing as well. I know there was you know injuries and and COVID and everything. Really, you know, just after
0: he signed that new contract, too. yeah,
1: yeah, he had he had struggles this year. Yes, but to be that player, you you need to still perform. You still need to put in the goals. You are a goal scoring machine, and you need to show that. And this year, you were not. Um, so for both, for both of them,
0: they were my flop of the year. My flop of the year, I'm going to have to go Timo Werner. Yeah. For all the effort he puts in, he was brought in to score goals for Chelsea and he hasn't done that. Um, Hopefully, I'm hoping he does turn around next year because I do like Timo Werner as a player. And the other one is Gareth Bale for Tottenham. Um, I just think that's been a complete disaster over in Tottenham. I know he scored a few goals and he's come on here and there, but it just, it just didn't work this year. So it'll be interesting to oh, see what yeah. happens to Gareth Bale in the off-season. And last one, Jono team of the season Who's your been your team of the season who thinks obviously city winning it but who's yep. been your team of the season well it's just goes
1: year? for me it would go to somebody who outperformed the expectations and that's west ham um they just completely outperformed all expectations and as we said at the beginning of this season a lot of those small or lower teams as of right now or um we're up there at the top but um but yeah west ham were able to sneak into that Europa League spot and I think that was huge they were even potentially fighting for that top four most of the season as well so I think that was really really big it was a great season from them um what they were able to do with the caliber of players that they have as well is just elevate everybody's game and make them all into basically essentially future superstars or you know and and like I said what they did as well with Jesse Lingard was incredible um so i would give it to West Ham for sure
0: I agree with you. I think West Ham, some people, some pundits had them relegated at the beginning of the year. So I think they've had an amazing year under Moyes. And also special mention to Leeds United for finishing ninth. So I think um, they're my team of the season. Well, that brings to the end another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, thank you for your support and good night.